Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Welcome to Pit Pass Moto, the show that brings you deep dive interviews with the motorcycle industry insiders and racers that make the sport move. I'm host Dale Spangler, and in this episode, my guest is Scott Lukaitis, Director of Sales and Marketing for Engine Ice at Coast USA and longtime power sports industry photographer, writer, and content producer. This episode is brought to you by Moto America, home of AMA Superbike Racing and North America's premier motorcycle road racing series. Rewatch every round of the 2023 series and revisit all the season's action with the Moto America Live Plus video on demand streaming service. Or visit the Moto America YouTube channel for race highlights and behind the scenes video content. Look for the 2024 race schedule to be announced soon over on the MotoAmerica.com website and be sure to follow Moto America on social media for real time series updates and original content. Scott Lukaitis, welcome to Pit Pass Moto. Thanks so much for your time today. What's happening, Scott? Dale, just good to be with you today. It's it's nice to be able to talk to a fellow moto head, I guess. Yeah, lifer. You um, could say. Yeah, just keep just keeping busy. Life is going strong day after day, and we're getting ready for our Kawasaki Race of Champions this weekend, which is you know a nice local event that's uh, forty seven years in the makings, and you know hoping the weather stays away and we have some some great racing and. Gosh, it's just a part of what I've got going on in my life. So, uh, yeah, let's chat a little bit. Yeah, probably it's the small part because I noticed you just have your hands in so many things. There's so much stuff going on. But first off, I want to know what your thoughts are on the Super Motocross Finals. Like, I have my personal thoughts, but I wanted to hear what you thought. I loved it. I watched all three races. Um, I didn't get an opportunity to go to any one of them, but I, you know, I saw them from my couch at home. And I love that Feld and MX Sports have come together to create something different. Um, I thought it was really exciting that each of the three rounds were very, very unique. And it brought the type of racing that we do to various new locations. I mean, you know, being in Chicago and being in Charlotte where, you know, those guys didn't get a Supercross this year. Those guys didn't get a national this year. So I think it opened it up to more fans. And and honestly, there was so much uncertainty as far as like what the track was going to be like and how the points were going to score and all those that like that finale on Saturday night was really exciting to watch. I totally agree. Like everything just seemed like it couldn't have gone off better, at least from the outside looking in, you know, like us watching it on television. But like you said, it was exciting. And then with the triple points there at the final round, I mean, there's a lot of contenders in both classes you know, coming down to that final moto. So yeah, for sure. I thought they just did like a fantastic job. And you know, my personal opinion, I feel like the future looks extremely bright for super motocross. Would you agree? I agree. And I think it's part of a overall watching the sport grow and watching not even just, you know, motocross and supercross, the motorsports growth that we've seen in the United States coming off of Formula One and coming off of, you know, NASCAR doing well and, and IndyCar and 
all of those various motorsports. Um, my cousin is a, a stick and ball guy and writes for the sporting news. And he, during COVID, started watching NASCAR because it was the only thing on. And then he started watching motocross. And, you know, here's a kid that's all into, you know, football, baseball, basketball that now knows, you know, who Jet Lawrence is. And <laughs> it was funny. He actually, he wrote an article for the sporting news about Ricky Fowler and Jet Lawrence. And I was like, wow, this is neat for, you know, for a kid that has nothing to do with motorsports his entire life to now be immersed into what's more than just supercross and motocross and nascar and indycar like all these various motorsports i think it's great i mean it's it's so much fun to watch the industry grow you know outside of power sports and motorsports and all that and i think this is this is really helpful I agree. Yeah, like that whole playoff vibe, you know, like I feel like that's going to attract a lot more people from those other, like you said, stick and ball sports and get more people like that. You know, like I I think I saw something recently and you might have saw it too, where I believe the MIC did something in like New York City where they had a bunch of outside media come in and they taught them how to ride. And I just Mm -hmm. thought that was so brilliant because I'm like, why wouldn't you do that? These people are going to be advocates for the sport now going forward. Yeah. And even if just a small percentage of them stay on board. Yeah. You know, if a small percentage of them go out and buy a motorcycle or get involved in, you know, mountain biking and or, or anything that, you know, our sport, we, we, you know, for so many years, and you and I have talked about this, you know, we've been involved in this for so long. You know, we always, oh, we want our sport to grow. We just want our sport to grow. But then we're so anti-growth, right? Everyone's like, oh, no, you can't do that. I think this all opens up for everyone to give it a chance. Like, let's see where it works. And, you know, obviously, like we said, with Super Motocross, there was, there was some stuff that wasn't great. But there's there's a lot of positive that comes out of it. And you tweak it a little bit next year and you tweak it a little bit more the year later. And like you can't discount the fact that, you know, they were going for a million dollars and a half million dollar bonus. Like that's that's a lot of cash. And people look at cash like that. And it helps drive more eyes to the sport. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you think it's been a complete paradigm shift here with riders like Jet bringing this new school technique to the series? I don't know about you, but this is like the most blown away I've been in a long time yeah. since probably Ricky and you know Bubba's era. We were talking about this just the other night with some friends and like he reminds me a lot of watching Stefan Everts, right? Like he doesn't look like he's going fast. Yeah. And you know, Ricky always looked like he's charging. Like even this weekend watching Ken Roxon charge on Jet that moto, like Ken was he looked like he was all in, wide open, everywhere. And Jet just looked like he was managing it. And I'm sure he was going as fast as he can, but it looks different. And hopefully that changes the way that amateur racers race and realize they can be smoother with better technique and not just have to slam through things. But yeah, I think it's a it's exciting times to be a motorsports fan or, or a supercross and motocross fan for sure. Definitely. Well, you've been to some great races this year. I was looking through some of your photos and God, you just have some great photos, especially looking at like the Southwick images you have and a shot in particular of Jet. That's just, I think he's like his front end super high and he's wheeling through these sand whips. And I'm just like, that just epitomizes that next level of technique that he has. Yeah. So as a photographer, you're sitting there trying to catch the image, right? And then you just sit back and realize that you're watching this technique and you don't realize how good they are until you step back and really watch it and how fast, like going to a, a supercross is one thing because it's it's exciting and watching them put rhythm sections together is, is, is really interesting. Obviously no practice really to do those, but then you watch them at an outdoor national and you watch the speeds and they go by you so quickly. And fortunately, being on the track to shoot the images, you see how deep that rut is and that there's a hole in the middle of that rut. And like, how did you even get there to do what you did? The talent that these guys have, and not just Jet or Ken, or like 
the 40th place guy, you know, <laughs> you, you look back at them and you're like, wow, this guy is just killing it. Then our sport makes fun of them for finishing 40th. But the, <laughs> the talent level out there, what these, these guys get to do on a motorcycle is, uh, is really impressive. Yeah, especially when you see even like, you know, the fast 40, you look outside of that and there's some names that are, you're like, oh, this person's probably winning all their local races and yet they didn't still make the top, you know, the final 40. So. Yeah, exactly. The fastest guy locally is, you know, 63rd fastest in qualifying. And you're like, wow, how is that even possible? Yeah. How is everybody else that much faster? <laughs> and I think what's interesting too is how close those guys all are, right? There's 40 guys at any given national that are within, you know, a half a second of each other battling for 30th to 60th. And it's one little corner, one little bit of technique that's that's better. Uh, it, it's, I mean, I love this sport. It's so much fun to watch. Well, you, you mentioned it a little bit before we came on to record this about all of the different, you know, amazing, talented photographers and content creators that you're around when you're at these races. And you have this really cool feature that I saw that you do on your social media called Faces at the Races. And I love that absolutely, because some of my favorite photos are those in the moment photos with the helmets off where, you know, sweat's dripping off, where they just got off the bike and, you know, you really kind of see raw emotions. And so tell me a little bit about that. But I, I love that whole concept of faces at the races. Yeah, I just think it's fun. You know, everybody wants to see a picture of themselves, right? <laughs> so that is fun. And you can only shoot so much action photos. And the guys that are are out there doing that for a living, you know, for whatever social media they need. It's, it's fantastic. And I've tried a couple of times to like stand at the finish line and watch guys come off of the moto. And I forget who the racer was. I'd have to go back and look. But at high point this year, I stood after the finish line and there was a, a, a guy had come off and it was his first national. I think he might have finished just in the points. And his dad was like the guy that was his mechanic. So his dad jumps on the back of the bike and they're high-fiving and hugging. You know, it was Father's Day weekend, which makes it even more fun. And that rider reached out and like, can I get that photo? I'd, I'd love to have that you know, hanging on my wall at home because it's, you know, me and my dad at the National and all of us that are involved in this sport have those family ties where we've gone to the races since we were little kids with our with our parents and our friends. And, and you realize that that emotion and that, and that closeness is really what kind of brings that whole sport together. Yeah, I love that. Some of my favorite photos, you know, I remember this one comes to mind of Loretta Lynn's with my mom and dad standing next to me. And I just come off and I'm just, you know, exhausted from covered in mud. Yeah. You know, it's just you know, those those iconic moments that you just kind of go right back to that exact moment when you look at that photo. So it's always special to have those. I think it's so great. Yeah. Well, you've always been, you know, this is my observation. I feel like you just always have been someone who's super involved in power sports and, and outside of your day job with Engine Ice, you do so much more. You're a photographer, you're a writer, you know, you've been contributor to New Jersey motocross since, since 2007. And I think you've been taking photos since 2004. So like, how did this all kind of come about with you going to the races like that? So I went to the races as a, you know, as a kid with my family and was racing, a, you know, as the novice guy. And my parents were always involved in everything we ever did, right? So, so my mom started to write for the newspaper and it just kind of morphed into that where when I wasn't racing as much, I picked up a camera, started shooting some photos and, you know, next thing leads to the next. You know, here you are shooting photos and trying to get some media coverage. So. The photography morphed into NJ Motocross, uh, which yeah, I've run for you know a bunch of years. That morphed into into that when I was writing an article for Amateur MX magazine. I started writing an article about Kawasaki Race of Champions, and oh, shoot, excuse me, shooting photos for that for Race Champions. And they realized like, well, I can't just do photos. I need photos and text, right? Yep. So then I started writing for that. And then as I was writing those articles, I realized like, well. 
you know, there's a lot of us that have these stories, you know, this is how the racetrack got started. And I remember this race and stuff like that. But as we get older, those stories kind of change a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So I wanted to kind of get them down in writing <laughs> and what better place than a website, right? So I started NJ Motocross. Anytime there's a New Jersey Motocross anything, you know, either results or races or photos, or I try to keep them in one place. So it becomes this archive for anyone that wants to do any racing in New Jersey. And the site's super searchable. We're doing a, uh, uh, the guys that used to run Raceway Park reached out to me not long ago, and we're doing a reunion in January for the guys from like 1970 something to early 2000s for Raceway Park and Powerline Park. And just going through my website was oh, we should call this guy to tell him to come and we should invite this guy. And like, there's all that information was there. It's, you know, it takes a long time to do it at the time, but the rewards on the back end of it are just, you know, well, well worth it. You know, even my photography website is all keyworded by rider's last name. So I can go back now and find any picture of Barry Carston I ever took. But yeah, that's NJ Motocross and the Kaya's photo. And I started a a site called The Privateer Story to help kind of getting all their information in one place. It aggregates, you know, the YouTube channels. And fortunately, I've had some photographers that have helped me out with some photos on that. And hopefully I can build that site a little bit more. But it's all about giving back. The sport and this industry has given me a career and it's given me a livelihood for, you know, 40 years now. (laughs) Why, Why not start giving back, right? Yeah, I love the privateer stories. That site's been, to me, just a huge hit because, yeah, focuses 100% on the privateers who, as we know, sometimes get overlooked and, you know, all the, the factory riders get the get the glory in a lot of cases. But, yeah, just kind of like showcasing their own content and what they have to go through, just, just kind of like ways to get involved. And for me, it's been more fun, too, because now when I'm going to a race, I'm, I'm looking at it differently. I'm watching who the three digit guys are. So that's, that's, it's definitely fun. And like I said, I like to, I like to give back to the, to the industry. Now, another one, speaking of giving back, like you have this other page at motocross underscore archives, where you have all these archived images of old ads. I love that. I got sucked down a rabbit hole on that one this morning. <laughs> you know, it's funny. You, you come up with these ideas and like, oh, I should do this. And then you realize that your, your, your regular job takes over all this time, <laughs> but we're getting there. You know, it, I, I started doing that when I was doing a lot of work with the Legends and Heroes tours because I do all the social media and I help out the website and some of the content for the Legends and Heroes tour. And uh, at one point in time, I had this pretty extensive magazine collection. So I was like, let's go through that and find some cool old ads. And, you know, it's funny. You're right. You get, you get sucked down a rabbit hole. I'm like, you know, you go on Cycle News now and you can, you can go back and look at every issue of Cycle News back to the beginning. And that's a long time to start, <laughs> to start sitting there spending and re- reading old issues of Cycle News from the mid seventies. Um, but it's, it's fun. I mean, it's really, you forget that there's that much stuff out there. Um, just, you need to find it. That was our internet back then, right? Oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> Cycle news. Yeah. <laughs> Two weeks later, right? Yeah, exactly. You're just like chomping at the bit at the mailbox. Like, when's my Cycle News coming? And, and it's funny. I've had that conversation with the guys at Cycle News because every writer in our sport has written for Cycle News at some point in time. They did local race coverage, right? But that that part of it's kind of gone away a little bit, unfortunately. There's just, there's just not the bandwidth at Cycle News to be able to do that or the amount of writers out there that are willing to do stuff like that. So, but I still try to do it, you know, on the local level if I can. Before you finish today's episode, first we have a word from our sponsor. Have you ever wanted to know how to win a Formula One Grand Prix? 
I mean really know. Know about the driver tactics from the cockpit, the strategy calls from the pit wall, and even the mind games in the paddock. There's a lot more that goes into winning a Grand Prix than just 90 minutes of racing. So every week on the F1 Strategy Report, we're taking a deep dive into the decisions that shape every result. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato, and every week I'm joined by an expert guest from the paddock to talk through the big calls that won the race and the missteps that resulted in bitter defeat. Before every race, we'll look back at the previous year's result and consult the current form guide, and we'll be in your feed after every Grand Prix dissecting the the outcome and what it means for the championship. So for your regular hit of Formula One analysis, subscribe to the F1 Strategy Report wherever you get your favourite podcasts. The Strategy Report is a beer mogul podcast on the Evergreen Podcasts Network. My name's Michael Laminato, and I'll catch you after the checkered flag. Let's fast forward to today and your current role with Engineites, though, and tell us about that role. And I know they got, you know, purchased by a, I think it was Coast. Is that the name of the company that purchased them? Or So, um, yeah, I'm the director of sales and marketing for Engineites. It's really interesting. I got the opportunity to work with Dave Kimmy, the original owner, several years ago. And uh, we built the brand. And just after, I guess it was October 2020, he had the opportunity to sell the brand and retire. And he sold it to the people that were actually making it for him. Uh, and that's Cost USA in Cincinnati. At the time, they were the largest family-owned coolant producer in the country. Uh, they were subsequently purchased by a company called RecoChem up in Canada, which is really cool because, I mean, RecoChem's a billion-dollar company. Jeez. North of the border, they own the rights to, to Rainex in Canada. Um, we do a ton of private label. What's really fun is the Engine Ice brand is such a small little part of their business. But it's one of those fun, visible brands, right? It's yeah. ones that we, you know, we get to work with a NASCAR guy like Ricky Stenhouse. And I have a guy in the Xfinity series and, you know, we work with Jeremy. So we get to work with all the fun sports stuff all while keeping the brand going, right? So we went from a, a single product line or single product skew, the motorcycle coolant that it's been in the market for 20 plus years. We've won Racer X reader surveys, Vital MX reader surveys, year after year after year. And we're you know very fortunate and very appreciative that the industry and the people really like our product. It allowed us to branch out into a specific side-by-side -side coolant. Uh, it allowed us to branch out into a snowmobile winter coolant that has freeze point of negative 45 degrees. I was told that like it doesn't freeze in nature, like it has to be in a lab in order for wow. that to freeze. So that's really exciting to be able to do. And then you'll see us start to expand to some automotive. Uh, you know, the Engine Ice brand is so well known and so associated with the quality of the product and the performance of the product that, you know, we can look into automotive and find a way to get into some other types of sports. Cause I mean, we, we love power sports and, and that will always be our core. You know, it'll always be who we focus on the, you know, 7,000 dealers across the country and racing sponsorships and, and all that stuff. But there's a lot of automotive crossover and, and it's been fun to look at that. And like I said, work with, you know, Ricky Stenhouse and NASCAR and Sammy Smith and Xfinity. And I've got a kid, Trey McGranahan, who races a, a sprint car. And like, there's a lot of fun stuff outside of our power sports focus. And yeah, the brand's growing. It's, it's killing it. Like we're super happy with what's going on and you'll see more stuff coming down the road in the next, 
you know, six, eight months. And, and, you know, I appreciate everyone's support on it. It's been, it's been a fun ride. You said sales and marketing. So I assume you, you know, you go to all the uh, distributor trade shows, things like the parts and limited showcase that just happened. And yep. did you go to that one this year? I didn't because it was the same week as Bud's Creek. Uh, so, yeah. you know, you kind of got to make a decision. <laughs> I can go to the nationals like a drive to, and, and, and truthfully, the timing of it didn't work out for that one, even beyond the Bud's Creek piece. But I'm I'm booked for Louisville, and we're booked for the AIM Expo in Las Vegas in February. Honestly, I think our our industry just we have to support it. I I'm a big believer that you know you can't complain about a lack of shows if you don't support them. And it's been a little quiet the last couple of years, but but honestly, last year was really good there. I had a great show, and being able to see a bunch of distributor reps there, and being able to see other manufacturers, and you know talk about what's going on in the industry because. You know, the industry's at a crossroads, right? Where we had that giant COVID bump where everyone was, this is fantastic. Oh, well, this is great. And then understanding that it's going to fade off a little bit. Let's just hope it doesn't fade off too much. And how do we make sure that does that? How do we keep all those new eyes and all those new riders that we had the opportunity to take on during COVID? Like we can't lose them all. And how do we do that? And um, I think the industry is in good hands. I think the MIC is doing a really nice job getting it in front of everybody. And I'm I'm looking forward to that AIM Expo. And you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of OEM support. There's distributor support. There's a lot of you know industry uh, manufacturer support. And yeah, I think it's going to be a fun time in Vegas. Especially they moved it up a little bit so that it doesn't conflict with the Super Bowl. So that'll be that'll be fun. And yeah, Vegas in February. Let's go. Yeah, I think it's kind of more like the traditional indie date, like around, it was usually always around like, mm-hmm. I think Valentine's Day, because I know that was always a, a tough yep. <laughs> We all know. <laughs> but I tell you, I, I I loved Indie Show and I go to Indie for the, the PRI show in December and the town is just great for it. That town specifically understands motorsports and having everybody so close is a lot of fun. But the Vegas vibe was cool last year. I mean, I stayed at the hotel right next door and there was a bunch of people in the lobby bar and, you know, walking back and forth. So I think there's there's a chance for it. Let's, you know, keep supporting it. It looks like there's going to be a lot of distributors and OEMs this year. So Mm -hmm. like you said, it's just kind of creeping back up to hopefully back to where it was before in the past. So we'll see. Yeah. Well, this next question might be a little bit of a put you on the spot, but I'm just curious to know. So I think I calculated yours is your 36th year in the industry. That sound about right? So I have to do the math. 1984. 1984, huh? So 84, I started in a bike shop, a shop called VIP Honda in North Plainfield. I was a customer going in every weekend and it was, I was like 16 years old and this parts manager, we said, well, what do you got to do to work here? He's like, you got to be 16. And I was like, sorry, no problem. So Fortunately enough, I was at Kawasaki Racing Champions that weekend. And I was like, hey, I'm 16 on Monday. He's like, come on in on Tuesday. And <laughs> the, the rest, they say, is history. And what's, what's really a lot of fun for me with that is, is the guy that hired me, uh, Steve Yannick. Steve still works in the industry as a sales rep up in like the New England area for some snowmobile gear and whatnot. And I still see Steve relatively regularly, which is, which is fine. I mean, like, like you look at this industry, who knows, you know, 40 years later that you're still hanging out with all these people and still seeing all these people. That's crazy. So my question though, is with you being in the industry that long, are there a few things that have kind of stand out as major, I guess you would say paradigm shifts or, you know, outstanding things that significant changes in the industry through the years, two stroke to four stroke comes to mind. Now we've EVs, and then like this influx of venture capital, those are a few things that kind of just stand out as examples. But I'm curious to know if anything comes to mind for you, you know, some major milestones. 
there's also the the shift from brick and mortar to e-commerce that yes you know, yep. um, and how that all changed and how you know dealers are like well i'm not going to be online and then they realize they have to be online and i'm even seeing that change i think a little bit because the good dealers are always going to be the good dealers and if if you understand your brand and you do your business well you're going to succeed there was a time in the industry that i feel you know, if if you wanted to make a bunch of money, you just go out and buy a motorcycle dealer, you can make a bunch of money, right? But you still weren't a good business person, right? So there's, there, you still have to understand business. And I think that was lost for a certain time period. And, you know, economic crisis changed that. So, you know, yep. the good will survive. The guys that are able to adapt will survive. The venture capital is interesting. Are they looking for a quick in and out or are they in for long term? I, I don't know. You watch the industry and it's still full of enthusiasts, which I think is really important. We're not selling toothpaste and we're not selling hair gel. We're selling, you know, I, I worked at a shop for years that we, he used to say we sell fun and we're still selling fun, right? So, so long as that kind of stays there and, and people don't lose sight that this is a industry that's not necessary for people to survive. It's fun. It's, it's additional. Um, if we can keep the fun in it, I think... Uh, I think it does well. Yep, I agree. Well, you recently shared a Gary V post that I wanted to read here that <laughs> says, truly wanting to help is always the best business strategy. I love that statement, though, because mm -hmm. I feel like you are that kind of person just from all the stuff we've already talked about, all these give back projects that you have. Is that something that's just kind of very rewarding for you? I like it a lot. End of the end of the day, we're just doing the right thing for the, for people. So yeah, I feel like that kind of stuff. Yeah, it comes Enjoy. back to you. You know, karma, whatever you want to call it. You know, I just yep. feel like it's, <laughs> you know, regardless if it does, it feels good anyways, right? So <laughs> for sure, why not? Right? Why not? Well, you've had an incredible career in power sports. So if you weren't in power sports, is there something else you'd be doing? I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know anything else, Dale. <laughs> what, what else am I going to do? I feel the same way sometimes. I'm like, what would I do? Yeah, I mean, and, and what's funny is is several years ago when I when I started working over at Bell Ray and I was traveling a lot very early, um, I ran to Jason Wygant and Jason's aunt actually worked at Bell Ray and I knew Jason a little bit from New Jersey motocross, right? So there's a little bit of a connection. He's like, Look at you on the road again, a little, you know, and he's, aren't you getting tired of it? I was like, yeah, a little bit. I said, but I get to go to dirt bike races for a living. That's pretty cool. <laughs> like I'm not stuck in an office. Like, you know, it's, it's a, it's a pretty neat thing to be able to do and, and not be tied down. And I feel like our industry, every, everybody kind of knows that, you know, we're fortunate to, to do something that we enjoy. Um, yeah. Like at any job, there's going to be, you know, good and bad days, but at the same point, it's, you know, I'm not selling toothpaste, right? <laughs> well, in many ways, when I when I think of New Jersey motocross, like your name immediately comes to mind. In my my opinion, you're the unofficial New Jersey uh, motocross historian. Maybe you and Jason Wygott, probably between the two of you guys. <laughs> He's been away for a couple of years. I haven't left yet. So um, what's been really nice is um, the support I get from you know, the local racetrack. And there's some stuff I ran last year. So Rich Knapp, whose family owns Raceway Park, found uh, these boxes of old images. And although most of them were were drag racing images, there's a lot of motorcycle images there as well. And being able to share those and again, connecting people that, to have memories about, you know, going to the racetrack. Because everybody remembers going to the racetrack with their family and friends and you know, going dirt bike racing on a Sunday afternoon and, and stuff like that. So it's it's fun to be able to share it and you know, hope people people find uh, value in it, and I hope they enjoy it. And 
Yeah, that's what it's there for. Well, you're uh, a content machine. I'm gonna, I'll say that. You just keep uh, cranking out all kinds of good stuff. You even find time to somehow put together a This Week in Power Sports newsletter on LinkedIn that I subscribe to. So if pe- listeners out there are into power sports, check that out. Um, how do you find time for all this stuff, though? I just don't know how you do it, Scott. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know either. I'm not quite sure. The This Week in Power Sports thing is interesting because that's, again, it's really just aggregating content. Uh, that's just taking the the press releases that are out there that I was reading anyway, if I could just put it in one spot while I'm reading it and it shows some value and it helps, number one, helps the race teams or helps the industry or if somebody finds something they in there that they enjoy, it's, you know, that's kind of what it comes down to. It's just, let's get as much out there about our industry as we can and it helps everybody grow. And at the end of the day, that's what it's all about, right? Absolutely. Well, Scott, thank you so much for your time today. Love what you're doing. Always been a fan of, of yours and, and everything that you give back to the power sports in general. So anything else you'd like to add before we close the episode? No, that that's really, it's, it's great talking to you, Dale. We're going to see you in Vegas in February? Yeah, it's kind of on my radar. I didn't go last year, but I feel like I should get back down there again, just because when I went the first year, like that was the first one after COVID. So just to be there and be able to shake hands see people face to face it was worth it let's put it that way this year you know i think i might have to go back so hopefully we'll see you there come by and say hi will do thanks again scott thanks have a great day if you enjoyed this episode follow pit pass moto on your favorite podcast listening app so you never miss an episode and if you have a moment please rate or review our show We'd greatly appreciate it. You can also follow us on social media or visit pitpassmotorsports.com where you can listen to the past episodes and check out the new Pit Pass Motorsports blog powered by Podium Life, featuring articles and industry news focused exclusively on two-wheel and four-wheel motorsports. Head to pitpassmotorsports.com to check it out. I'm Dale Spangler. I hope you'll join us next week for another episode of Pit Pass Moto. Thanks for listening. Sports stars. They're like superheroes. But they're actually real. Which is why we've made a podcast about them. You see... They've all got a story. But too many of these stories were cut short. Kobe Bryant. Payne Stewart. Flo Jo. Phil Hughes. Justin Fashionew. We're writing episodes about all of them. And sadly, many more. Death of a Sports Star. A new series from Crowd Network.